0: Welcome back to another episode of An express Nintendo Podcast, the official Nintendo podcast of Goombastomp.com. I'm your host, Cameron Dax, and joining us, we have Games Editor Mark Kalaroff. Team Piplup in this house. It's the only option. <laughs> that is a... I have to agree with you there. Uh, also with us, we have Indie Games Editor Campbell Gill.
1: As a fellow member of Team Piplup, 100% agree. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I, we're I all on the same the, side
0: good yeah good. listen it's, we really it's are only, here, yeah. it's the only right answer it's the only right answer i thought uh, we were going to explode
2: but uh, uh
0: yeah no 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 listen you <laughs> know guys listen i know sometimes we disagree about things i know it's there's not always harmony in this house but i think in this in this particular instance we can stand united uh, of course we are referring to the recent release of the it's a it's a full-blown remake right Yes. Kinda. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a, a later part of the podcast. We, of course, referring to the republishing, perhaps you should say, of uh, <laughs> Diamond and Pearl, the Pokemon games out on Switch. We're going to get to that in a little bit, though. But we thought it might be kind of interesting to start the podcast off with uh, a bit of a bit of history that was revealed this past week um, from Microsoft, actually. Uh, in a a virtual Xbox museum, there was a an internal letter that got released that was written I don't know decades ago, twenty years ago, twenty twenty something years ago. Something. Like uh, an that. internal mm-hmm. an internal memo from uh, Microsoft to Nintendo about uh, <laughs> about Microsoft trying to purchase Nintendo. Which is, it's one of those things that I feel like people who love games joke about forever. I've, I remember hearing rumors about this ages ago, about like, oh, Microsoft's going to buy Nintendo. Ha ha ha, wouldn't that be crazy? And then lo and behold, out on this virtual uh, virtual Xbox museum, there's the letter. <laughs> or at least portions, portions of the letter that have been
1: out and available to read. Uh, what are your guys' reactions to this? Have, you, have you seen Have you seen the memo? I have indeed, and it is such a fascinating piece of history to look at, because I already knew about the fact that Microsoft tried to buy Nintendo, but we never actually saw the language of the offer, how they were talking about trying to forge a quote-unquote strategic alliance with Nintendo to try and turn the the Dolphin, it was called at the time, the GameCube, into the greatest game machine that it could possibly be. The language they used in terms of trying to make this offer was crazy, especially knowing afterwards, um, I'd heard before that Nintendo basically just laughed them out of the room after that offer offer was made. Um, so it's, it's crazy to see it now, and I think it's especially interesting because today we see Microsoft making all these acquisitions left and right, and it seems like it's this crazy thing that they started doing during the Xbox 1 era, but really Microsoft's been trying to do it since day 1, even day 0 since I think this was before the Xbox came out. So it really informs our our understanding of Microsoft and Nintendo.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's a it's exactly what you just said, Campbell. It sounds like an insane like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Microsoft's throwing around their money to make all these acquisitions, but it's like you know, aside from Amazon, Microsoft's one of the richest companies on the planet so it it makes a lot of sense that they would be you know that they've been trying to do this ever since the the inception of the xbox and I i remember like back in the day there used to be a lot of uh i don't know video game magazines used to be very speculative because there was you know there was less social media there was less direct access to to companies and corporations so a lot of the information that that uh we as consumers got was second or third hand so you'd like a source would hear a rumor about a thing and then try to chase that story and then you'd get the article about that thing months later in like the latest <laughs> you know game informer or egm or whatever it was so it was uh it's just it's just funny to to like peek behind the curtain and get this direct look at like wow here's kind of the the language that was being used and the and the uh the sort of the sentiment that we're getting. And it's it's pretty it's interesting. It's it's cool that uh Microsoft is being this like candid about it. And uh I can't remember I, can't, I haven't I haven't seen any like direct responses from Nintendo at at this at this time. I don't know if you guys have, but I think it's 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 just interesting that um that it's out there i think it's really cool what, what about you mark did you see any of this yeah i mean i think
2: it's out because uh i don't know if you guys know this but reggie fisseme was just on the uh like the xbox anniversary live stream mm-hmm. yep I and he saw was that. talking mm-hmm. to the creators of xbox That's So it seems true. like a perfect time to release it mm-hmm. and it was odd it, it was actually really funny because you had you know reggie talking about nintendo and his perspective of xbox and then meanwhile it's like the nintendo president got to interview the president of xbox
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's it's what what an interesting um summit you know what an interesting meeting of the minds um one of the things that stuck out to me in in this little in this little letter was uh talking uh, they talk about making this pitch to uh, uh yamauchi who was the president of nintendo at the time uh, a, a notoriously um kind of a hard ass <laughs> like like mm-hmm. what when, when you think of, you know, presidents of Nintendo, <laughs> when you think of like the figureheads from, from Nintendo, you think of like Miyamoto, you think of these very friendly, like creative types. But Yamauchi was like notoriously like very like, no, we're we're here we are here to be a business. We are here to make money. And it's just interesting to to kind of picture Xbox trying to court this this guy and uh getting the door slammed in their face. I think that's it's it's just very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I was just gonna say it does make me want to watch that interview that you were just mentioning, Mark. Like, of course, that's that's half the reason why they they released this thing uh, is because they had Reggie on that on that interview. Um, I haven't, haven't watched it yet, but I'll I'll, I'll get around to it. That's yeah, uh, what we're gonna say.
1: Yeah. yeah. I was just going to mention that, you know, looking back in context and history, it feels insane, like we were mentioning, that Microsoft would even try to make this offer because I think we're still, even today, kind of entrenched in this old fashioned Console Wars mentality, you know, that Microsoft hmm. would never work with Nintendo on something like this. But I think the past few years have really shown that even if Microsoft didn't end up buying Nintendo, the companies have developed such a close relationship, like Mark was mentioning, to the mm-hmm. point where a former Nintendo president can interview the current president of xbox or also to the point where you can have microsoft games appearing on a nintendo platform today it really demonstrates how far the industry has come so i really love getting this really weird like kind of trivia materials of history to demonstrate how the industry has matured and, and where we're going from here as is we're kind of leaving that approach of gobbling up all competitors and kind of playing aggressively and then moving away from that to a much more I suppose, well, inclusive I, approach I would- I would I would push back on that a little bit mm-hmm. I mean to be clear
0: Microsoft is still doing that and PlayStation is still doing that like mm-hmm. like just a few months ago uh, Sony picked up uh studio house mark um, mm-hmm. among others Microsoft bought Bethesda which is right, yep. gigantic <laughs> like uh what's the what's the latest big exclusive that's like nope sorry it's only coming out on Xbox is it uh ultra school do they sit that they can is it Elder Scrolls that confirmed that Elder Scrolls is only coming out on that? Yep. Um, I mean I know that's several years down the line, but, but it's one Still it's yeah, yeah it's, it's some some big exclusive is you know now it's like limited to Xbox and PC. So like that's still happening, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: And then we have Nintendo who's buying next level games who we already thought was owned by them. <laughs> I know, I was just so surprised that they didn't own them at that point. Yeah. That was a surprise exactly. story last year.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. It's like these big corporations are still acquiring studios that they think will benefit them. Mm-hmm. But you know, I do think it is interesting and probably beneficial to to kind of get that peek behind the curtain about what you know a, a, a weird moment in history when uh, Xbox was you know was still nascent and still there wasn't you know they didn't have those first party studios at the time. They were they were still in the in the process of trying to. To make that happen. Oh, man. If you guys ever have the time and the interest, you should look up just, like, what coverage of the original Xbox was like. Because they didn't have anything. Like, all all the coverage was like, wow, this machine is pretty cool. Too bad there's no games on it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, it was hilarious because you could be comparing it to, to the Sony PlayStation 2 which at the time had been out for a couple of years. So it had it already had a library of hundreds of games. And then, of course, comparing it to the the GameCube, uh, which nobody knew what the GameCube was going to be like, but they knew that they were going to come out swinging with Zelda first-party games, Mario, Metroid, like all these fantastic first-party Nintendo titles. And then there was Xbox, where it was like, wow, I can't believe Microsoft's entering the game space. Um, what's this Halo thing that everybody's so excited about? Like, that was kind of it, you know? It was... <laughs> It was a very interesting time in uh, in gaming.
1: I mean, even then, at least the original Xbox had all those Lego Star Wars games. So really, as I was a kid, <laughs> that was all I needed to make it one I of the best I was just consoles. thinking Battlefront 2. Yep, exactly. Exactly. That's funny. But even then, those
0: uh, they weren't exclusives. You know what I mean? They weren't like right. limited to the Xbox, you know?
1: Yeah, and it can only take you so far.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think that about... I don't know. Anything else we got to call out about this, about this little... Little letter. I think I think it's a, a great piece of history. If you have the chance, to take take a read on it. There's articles on it for every major website. Um, you know, I, and all these all these websites have have little blurbs about it. I think it's I think it's a pretty cool little thing to look at.
1: I mean, the one thing that's a bit disappointing is how they presented it with this giant green block of text covering the mm. middle of the letter to the <laughs> yeah. point where you can't actually <laughs> read the whole thing. You just have to yeah. parse it out. So it's a little disappointing that they kind of grayed out so much of the main content of it i'm that's sure there's true. a
2: legal reason oh I, I guarantee nonsense, you that's why
1: yeah. um and they just tried to come up with a cool design way to just kind of black out any sections that they didn't want anyone to see yeah. at this point yeah. Yeah. So. well and i will say I think, yeah, um, go ahead
2: it's kind of funny that uh they bought out rare it was like hey if we can't buy your entire company we'll just buy out all the people who work for you yeah and now those games well at least banjo kazooie is coming to
1: switch so i was gonna say yeah. and how did that turn out for him so many years later <laughs> like I, I cannot even think of i guess aside from sea of thieves now i can't think of any other major retro games for the xbox you know i know they made a bunch of stuff but i can't think of any like you know, hey,
2: cocker's cocker's remake was good I mean, yes, but that's a remake. You yes, know. it was. And Nuts <laughs> yeah. and Bolts was fine. We'll give it a pass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> that's
0: very funny. Um. So, yeah. So, I don't know. If you have the time, check out the, the blurb about Microsoft trying to buy Nintendo. I guess it, uh, one last thing about the presentation of this information. It is in a... It isn't... You can't just, like... What am I trying to say? Uh, It's in a virtual museum, which is kind of interesting. The Xbox Virtual Museum. So you can't like, this isn't a thing you can see physically, it's a thing you can see virtually, which is kind of cool. Um, I don't know if Nintendo will ever do something similar, but that would be really cool to see like some kind of a virtual Nintendo museum. Maybe you have to look at it through the Nintendo Labo
1: virtual reality kit. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only way to see it. Uh- <laughs> that would be such a cool idea, and that is exactly why Nintendo will never do it. <laughs> there you go.
0: So, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, circle back to talk about the latest Pokemon games. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. So, uh, gentlemen, we have been... Well, I shouldn't say we, I should say you two have been uh, throwing <laughs> it back to the past to play what I'm assuming is the most popular Pokemon games of your generation. Yes. Uh, is that, You're not is wrong, that without a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So these games completely... Not completely passed me by, but these games, I, I played a lot of Platinum on the DS and I did enjoy my time with it, but it did not have that same hook than it did for for you gentlemen I am sure so why don't we talk about the remakes slash re-releases slash remasters slash whatever we're calling them brilliant diamond and shining pearl which just came out on switch last week do you want me to start <laughs> <laughs> yeah you I mean you, you you guys this you guys take it away because I have not been playing these games I will it is unlikely that I will dip into them it's just this is just not my generation gotcha, of Pokemon. gotcha. so it's just like I don't have any attachment to these ones other than again I had a fun time playing platinum but it was not. It wasn't like I love platinum so much that I will buy these remakes the week they're coming mm-hmm. coming out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I played uh, so just for some perspective. I played Diamond and Platinum growing up, and I like probably nice. almost a hundred percent of both. I think I do like complete the Pokédex in Diamond, but um, wow, this um, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. It's not that I'm I'm not disappointed in them. I'll say that but i just don't know what i really think of them because on one hand it's a remake of pokemon you know diamond and pearl and diamond and pearl are fantastic games but i just don't know how to feel about these remakes because it's mm. I, I don't hate them i don't i've actually really enjoyed my time with it but I don't feel the same way when I played Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu, and I know a lot of people don't like those games, but I felt right at home. I felt like it was this huge blast of nostalgia, even though I grew up with Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green, which were the remakes of uh, Red and Blue. But those just felt right at home, but this one just feels... it feels off. It doesn't... They feel. it feels like it's on a budget, which it, it, to me it's a massive... It's not a misfire. It's just like a shame. It's a shame how it's turned out. Even though I'd still recommend it.
0: Hmm. I so mean, I, so t- say say more. Talk talk more about that. Well, first of all,
2: I'll say this. It's it's quite literally like a like a not a pixel by pixel because it's no longer pixels, but um, it's literally a full on recreation. Like the it's back to that grid based Pokemon format. You can move in like a three sixty you know the controls still have the free flow of the new games but they're not exactly free flowing as you would like think because it's still based on that grid based format so it's kind of like oh, artificially sure. implemented in a way and it actually really screws with like the npcs and stuff because when you go into a pokemon battle afterwards like the camera will have to readjust itself and like do this other crazy nonsense so it's like there were clearly they were working around some stuff that they could have just fixed in this. It's why, right? I, I don't know if to consider this like a full on remake because there's so. M- it literally feels like it's based on the older code. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I imagine the underlying code. Well, that's a, honestly that's a great question because uh, graphically it looks very different. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. it's it's. Uh, can we call it fully 3D? I guess we can. Yes, kind of, yeah, I would yeah. say fully 3D, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, it's fully 3D, but you're, yeah, I wonder if the, the system, like the mechanics, like the systems, I wonder if they are, in fact, based on the original code. This is a, that's a great question, and I one that I do not have the answer to. It's, just inter- it's interesting to speculate, <laughs> it's interesting to speculate about, because um, you'd think, like, well, if they did a full graphical remake, then, like, yeah, it's obviously going to be different, but it's like, well... Perhaps not. So I don't know. There are, there are
2: some changes to it, but the changes are so minimal that it's honestly just, it's the same game, except I feel like some of the new additions, there's a step forward and a step back for every single one that they've made. Like mm-hmm. the new underground system that was in the original game blows it away. The new underground is fantastic. You can catch all these old Pokemon in it. There's all these different types of dungeons and new statues. And there's just so much more to do in the underground. And there already was a lot to do in the original game. That's fantastic. But then they added walking Pokemon from HeartGold and SoulSilver and some of the older games. And they absolutely screwed it up. It's just the way it functions is awful. The Pokemon are not in a chibi style. They look so out of place from the player it raises their friendship to the maximum um, amount that you can get, of like friendship points. So that way they literally dodge every single move in battle. I'm not even kidding about this. It just what? completely breaks the difficulty of the game <laughs> if you use the mechanic at all. I don't know if you had that experience, Campbell, but I beat the Elite Four and all that. <laughs> it's literally, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. So, like I wanted a challenge, so I didn't use it after like the third gym and my gastrodon and empoleon would literally like be invincible like they would get hit by earthquake and then meanwhile it was like nope i i just dodged the move or i held on with a pinch <laughs> <laughs> and they survive so that completely <laughs> breaks it but um oh, oh tms tms now it's like it's not like you have unlimited of them you have to rebuy tms i don't know why they would ever change that that's such a step back from where the newer Pokemon games have gone, but now the HMs are all huh. implemented on the Poketech watch. So it's like that's genius. The, why did you go the so, other direction with? The so wait, sir, so are TMs? you saying?
0: So break this down for me. Are you saying that you don't? You no longer have to teach HMs to specific Pokemon anymore. You don't HMs. You don't have to wow. teach that anymore. Yeah, they're all on your Poketech. Yes, love that.
2: Love but what's not that. genius is having to buy the same TM multiple times if you want
0: it. <laughs> Yeah, that's so dumb that they did that. Crazy, Campbell. What about you? What were what, what some of your what, kind of your high level thoughts here?
1: I mean, I'll kind of bounce off of Mark and just say that I actually am disappointed with how this this package <laughs> <No>. turned out, <laughs> uh, and it's it's also because I do not think that this counts as a remake, or it should count as a remake, because in my in my view, a remake should take the original form of the game, the original content, and add something to it just kind of reimagine it to a greater extent than what was possible in its original release. That's not at all what you're seeing in Brilliant Diamond or Shining Pearl. It looks, I won't say it looks just like the original, because obviously it's a brand new visual style, but they tried to stick with the whole chibi overworld look, plus the more detailed character portraits and battles in a really bizarre way, with the kind of doll-like 3D character models in the overworld, and you know, kind of contrasted with these really nice looking models and battles. It's a very just bizarre game to look at for that reason. And it kind of reminded me in a way of what Link's Awakening was trying to do, the remake on Switch, uh, because that also had a cheapy format. That also looked a bit like it was a distorted, like, playhouse kind of look, you know, characters looking kind of toy-like. But each character model had so much more personality in it. Meanwhile, when you have in Brilliant Diamond or Shining Pearl, if you have, like, a cutscene or a story moment where it zooms in on a character, the faces are just emotionless, expressionless. It's just like... It's just like this blank image projected on top of a character model with their eyes and mouth. It doesn't really reflect any drama that may be happening in that moment. Fighting Team Galactic doesn't feel important because they're just staring at you with this blank expression the entire time. you know. And that's just one example. Um, there are so many other little bits throughout the game where I totally agree with Mark. It really feels like this game was built on a budget. Which is especially bizarre, considering you know Pokemon is the most lucrative IP on the planet. You know clearly they they didn't they weren't working on a shoestring budget. They had the resources, um, but there are just things throughout this game, like the fact that your player character you can move in 360 degrees on the overworld, but all the NPCs still move at 90 degree angles. So if a character is trying to approach you and they're like you know say perpendicular to you or something they'll go in a straight line then they'll have to turn 90 degrees then go down and then turn 90 degrees to face you again it just looks so unnatural and there are so many mm. things about the game that are just like that and you know the game itself the content underneath it is fine you know Diamond and Pearl were excellent games and um, I don't really have too much nostalgic connection to these games because kind of like as I was mentioning before the show we were talking I I never actually played them back in the day, but I kind of absorbed them by osmosis because everybody I knew was playing them. My brother was obsessed with them. So now that I'm finally getting the chance to play it for myself, I can recognize, you know, it's a fun game. The story's fun. Obviously, Pokemon, it's solid. It's great. But everything wrapped around it. It does not feel like these games that have such a beloved legacy that fans have been clamoring for remakes for generations now at this point, it doesn't feel like they have received the justice they deserve in it. It's not terrible, but it's not at all... But I think it should be at this point.
0: It's exactly how I feel. Well yeah.
1: so, so so the next question becomes then, what should it be? Not what it is now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well listen and I know be, I know. To none be of fair, say, to I, be fair, what it is right now, I I like a lot of the ideas they have, but seeing it in execution, like I think a chibi style for the overworld would definitely work. And that's exactly, how the original yeah. Diamond and Pearl was. But the thing was, with the original Diamond and Pearl, The way it was, was because of limitations. Mm -hmm, Exactly. That's just how it was. But now, you know, we're in a a completely different time. You look at the power of the Switch versus the DS, and it's like, it just feels inexcusable. And the overworld feels so just blocky and just so unloved. And then, meanwhile, Mm -hmm. you do have the, you know, the battles, where the battles look like they were put a lot of love into them except for some reason they got rid of the action camera which is so odd to me i don't even know if you picked up on this campbell but the battles look so flat i mm, mean you're looking yep. at a pokemon's behind the entire time
1: that's it's exactly so it. Yep.
2: odd but then when you get to the, the like the epic battles like some of the gym leader fights and the battle against Dialga and palkia and even you know the scythia fight at the end of the elite four which is absolutely phenomenal still those feel like they were put just so much love and care into them and then the rest of the the direction just feels not soulless because it does have heart but it just it it doesn't feel the same it feels like there was such a lack of care in so many rushed corners mm-hmm. for this game.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. And I think exactly what you were mentioning in the battle dynamics applies to the overworld as well. Like early in the That's game, it. there's a yeah. scene where you meet the professor and you meet Dawn, And, you know, it's where you get your Pokemon for the first time. The camera zooms in and you're by, by like, I think, a river or a lake. And mm-hmm. the water looks amazing, honestly. It like does, It, it yeah. keeps up with the Nintendo trend <laughs> of having weirdly amazing-looking water. But then you compare that to the ground textures, and the ground just looks like this blank green color, you know? And the mm-hmm. same goes for, like, the grass, which is often just, like, this kind of flat texture that you can see waving a little bit. And sometimes the environmental effects don't even work realistically like when you go to what's it called flowerama town i think it is um there were a mm-hmm. bunch of beautiful flowers all throughout the town it looks great but you walk over the flowers and they don't react to you walking on them they're just like this blank texture on the ground mm-hmm. they're not actual- Well, that's what i'm saying the, yeah
2: the game feels like it was built on the code of the originals it right. feels like it wasn't even replicated like no it is the same code with a graphical upgrade and some enhanced features
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah exactly so there are a lot of those weird edges like that and there's no reason why you know they couldn't just go in and create some new facial expressions for the characters right or they couldn't go in and just create these little tweaks to the environments that you know were that existed because of the limitations of the time you know the switch is i don't know how many times more powerful than the ds ever was but you know Mm -hmm. there's so much more potential that they could do here i'm not saying it should have looked exactly like link's awakening for example it could definitely do something different but i think that these are just two different examples of how to take this old game that was so constricted by the hardware and revamp it fully reimagine it like i'm honestly, playing Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl feels like if Link's Awakening was still built around the original control scheme, you know, where you had to switch out, uh, you can only have two items at a time, including your sword, and you had to, you know, really work through it, and it was really inconvenient and awkward. Mm-hmm. It feels like that's the same, that's the approach that we have with these remakes. It didn't go far enough in fixing a lot of the constrictions that were placed upon it because of the limitations of the time. You know, maybe the maybe the justification was necessarily nostalgia that they just wanted it to be faithful but i don't think anybody had nostalgia specifically for the chibi design or what the flowers looked like you know they definitely could have gone a lot further than that
2: they could have they definitely could have and it's weird because you look at studio you know elka the people behind this game and their resume is incredible i mean they've worked on near autotoma metal gear rising revengeance they have so many games and like even games from like the last two generations that still look gorgeous, and then you, you just kind of have to wonder what was going on behind the scenes with this game, because it, it's not that it's like a broken mess or anything. I still will stand my ground and say it's a good game. Like mm-hmm. Diamond and Pearl were good games, but well, Diamond and Pearl were excellent games. This is just a right. half decent remake at that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's it's just so odd. It feels like something was wrong behind the scenes of this game, or it just shows that perhaps Game Freak doesn't put in the budget or the, you know, the team to make these products because a lot of the problems I see with this game are problems I saw with Pokemon Sword and Shield. But then Mm -hmm. I also look at Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu, and honestly, looking at this game and looking back at those remakes, I actually have even more appreciation for them.
1: Right, Interesting. I think that one of the main problems that we're seeing with this now is a problem with Game Freak at large, and that's just excessive conservatism, perhaps with with Pokemon, you know, not wanting to change things up. You know, we did see that a little bit with Pokemon Let's Go and trying to adhere to Gen One and kind of cater to that nostalgia, you know. But there were a lot of factors in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Things as simple as just the way battles play out, the speed of battles, the fact that you still have to see all the same animations, you have to still see the same status messages each and every time and you have this lengthy intro every time you go into a battle you know that really drag down the pacing in a way and other rpgs you see today like dragon quest is a prime example you can you know speed through battles you can skip intros you can skip animations you know which i think is a brilliant quality of life feature to include well, you could, in these you kinds could of always games.
0: you could always do that exactly from from the very beginning of pokemon that was a feature you could do Oh, you mean in the settings to, like, change, you know,
2: make the text faster and turn off battle animations. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean,
2: but what, Campbell, I think you're trying to say is that there should be certain aspects or at least you want to see the battle animations, but there's certain things you don't want to see. Exactly. Like there should just be a skip button in general. That's exactly what I I mean, because I I have
1: set the text speed to fast, you know, and I have adjusted those Mm -hmm. settings, but there are facts where it's like, you know, these battles are super simple and it still takes a really long time to get through a battle. Even if I'm just going to one shot this random, you know, this random Pokemon that just came up and attacked me, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it still takes a very long time to go through that whole process. Process. I think those are areas where you can streamline that gameplay loop, and that just simply hasn't been done.
0: I see. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> and what a shame, because <laughs> like like something as simple as a, I don't know. It's tricky because saying like simply streamline the gameplay loop. Like, how hard could it be? But it's like you got to think about what cascading effects would that potentially have. You know?
1: Right. So I don't know, of it's, course.
0: It's, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm not saying completely change the way it all works. I'm just saying that it feels a bit a bit strange that we live in a live in a time where Dragon Quest, you know, the most probably the most conservative JRPG franchise around is, you know, ahead of Pokemon in these ways in terms of having you know having monsters out on the overworld and getting rid of random encounters and allowing for you know greater speed and combat and things like that in terms of quality of life. You know, like there these are things that I understand that a lot of this stuff, these animations, the messages, all that kind of stuff, has really defined Pokemon for a long time. I'm just saying that that the genre as a whole has started to move past that or provide additional features around that. So it's kind of a bummer where you have a remake, which is a perfect opportunity to make these kinds of tweaks to improve the experience and those those actions simply aren't being made. And it's especially baffling when kind of like we mentioned Pokemon Let's Go is so ahead of the curve in terms of, you know, removing random encounters, like I don't understand why those are still in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, you know. So it's a lot of factors right. like that that are really confusing.
2: But then again, they're also not in the underground
1: for right. encounters.
2: So it's like this game keeps taking a step forward and a step back every single turn right. it makes. And it's just so odd. There are literally, like I said again, the HMs, a p- perfect example. When you compare the HMs and TMs, it just you know it's it's so weird it's like why did they make these decisions
1: yeah i don't understand because right. i got the first hm for was it rock smash i think um mm-hmm. and i was like oh i need to teach this to one of my pokemon so that way i can smash these rocks and then i go to the first rock that i want to break through and then the notification is a wild badoof helped you smash this rock and i'm like rock. what yeah. i don't even have a badoof <laughs> in my party <laughs> what <laughs> it does not even so, make a, sense a badoof mm-hmm. A Badoof yes. just wandered by and was like, Yeah, I'll smash this rock. I mean we all <laughs> the know that Badoof. Yeah. Yeah. We all know yes. Badoof is our Lord and Savior. I understand yeah. that. It's just weird for him to show yeah. up at random times. <laughs> well, listen, as as we all know, Badoof
0: is always there when you need him. He's just he's just uh <laughs> you know, one, one rock smash away. Badoof take the lead. Um that is hysterical that there's that, that, that like I, I like thinking about that line of text appearing is 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 making me involuntarily laugh. Yeah, I, I had right. to
1: see it a few times before I actually comprehended what was going on. I was like, what? Why? Why Bidoof? <laughs> of all Pokemon, why Badoof?
0: <laughs> well, yeah,
2: that's another strange thing where it was like in Let's Go, you know, Pikachu and Eevee whenever you could ride Pokemon in that game and you can also surf on different Pokemon and they made several different animations and stuff for that. But then for this game, it's like you're always surfing on a bee barrel and it's like, why? Oh, <laughs> There's so many yeah. water types in this game. Well, because, well, so no, because we- And the same thing, listen. well, no, 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 but it's the same thing when you fly. It's a simple animation with Staravia, but it's like, there are so many other Pokemon that can also fly. Like, why are these things in Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu- and they're not in this game. And I don't care that they're not in this game. Like, that doesn't bother me and it doesn't hinder my experience. But I just find the changes to this game when comparing the other remake that we just got three years ago. There are just so many baffling design choices.
0: It is baffling. It's, uh, it's one of those things that's distracting because it's like, wait, why is it like this? And it's probably, it's probably distracting every single time it
1: happens because <laughs> it does stick out like that. Mm-hmm. yeah even more aesthetic decisions around the game are also confusing, like specifically the music is so bizarre to me because it's good. They remix a lot of the stuff, but Rather than trying to do anything like live instrumentation or anything, they stuck with a largely MIDI-sounding approach to it, which was just weird to me, especially considering that Pokémon Let's Go had an excellently rearranged soundtrack. Like, I didn't like that game, but I loved how they revamped a lot of the battle themes with, you know, electric guitars and orchestra. It was really epic. Meanwhile, things like the Team Galactic battle theme in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl it just feels like it's been neutered in a way because the original game had these really <laughs> sharp-sounding organs and this really funky t- uh, funky style for that, that battle theme. And now it just feels like it's been dimmed with these just flat, midi tones. So it's another really strange design approach.
2: I think the music that is, is really kind of different because, you know, to begin with, Diamond and Pearl had a... Like you said, a very funky soundtrack, but the certain instruments they use—it just—I don't think that would have translated well to like a full orchestra, at least in a lot of cases, like the Team Galactic stuff, and even—I don't know if you've seen it, but like the Giratina battle, and even even though it's not in the game yet, but people have already found it online. You know, the Arceus. I'm so
0: sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. Giratina.
1: Giratina. What? Uh Uh-oh. Have you guys always said? It, what it what? is? I'm sorry. You call it Giratina.
0: I, I've always called it Giratina. Is that is that wrong? <laughs> oh no! Oh my
1: God! Karen you I this? Am I? Am I? Wait, who, have you giratina? myself? Have you never oh actually watched like any of the the movies, the anime? Nothing. No. You've never I, talked I to somebody who anime's... talked about Giratina. Well, I'm. Oh, One no! Giratina iconic... is
2: terrible! Oh
1: my god!
2: Geratina? Oh, that sounds it's
1: even, even worse! <laughs> that sounds like a dude named oh, Jared. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is extremely funny to me. Um, well, the, as I said at the beginning of this segment, these were not the games I, I guess grew I'm up sorry, with. Yes, I'm sorry, but gerotna, That's How do you pronounce uh, Rayquaza? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I must say Rayquaza, okay? Okay, I say Rayquaza as well, okay? <laughs> what about about Geos. <laughs> Uh, Nobody knows how to pronounce Arceus. Uh, (laughs) I'll give you that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm so sorry to derail this entire conversation, Mark. You were in the middle of a a very salient point and uh, I completely derailed the entire conversation. No, it's all all good.
2: But the point is the
1: music. the music it couldn't be translated completely. I think that's the main point. Yeah, I mean okay, I I, I totally understand that. I'm not saying it has to be full on symphonic arrangements or anything.
2: Except Snowpoint City, they screwed up and I hate it. I hate that new iteration of it. It sounds so oh, wow. it's weird. Like I don't hate it, but comparing it to the original, the original had like this very mellow and soft tone and then this new one, it feels like it came out of a Christmas album. It's just so weird. Hmm.
0: I guess that's kind of keeping in tone with the winter themed village, right? It is.
2: It it just feels I don't know. It's so different from the original. At least I think so, but right. it's fine. It's like, you know, it's fine if it's on in the background, but like I'd rather listen to the original one hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What an interesting it's so fascinating because like, obviously on some level it's impossible to play these games without comparing them to the original. Right? Like mm-hmm. like anybody who's not anybody but i'd say like probably like i don't know this is just off the top of my head probably like 75% of the people who are buying these games well that's there. okay that's that's right well not even mm-hmm. that but like uh, have deep nostalgia for them
2: mhm mhm right. right
0: right i mean this is a statistic i'm pulling out of nowhere so obviously I'm like <laughs> don't don't take, take the take the number with a grain of salt but i would say like a lot of people who are buying these remakes are like oh yeah i remember loving these games on the ds So they're they're all going to be experiencing probably what what you guys are talking about, um, of that kind of disconnect between, well, hold on, I remember it being like this. Do do you think more people are going to land on kind of the the sense of discomfort and dissatisfaction that you guys are feeling, or do you think it's going to be more of like, I think it depends on the Pokemon
2: fan, because... You That's know, fair.
0: like my my relationship with
2: modern Pokemon is already a little complicated because I grew right. up with you know Pokemon XD and Colosseum on GameCube. Those games were made by Genius Sorority, and just the the production value of those games were just incredible for a Pokemon release. Like looking back on them, I still will say that those games, when it comes to animation and story and just characters, are A million times better than what we're getting today with like sword and shield and it makes me honestly a little disappointed looking at that upcoming arceus game Mm -hmm. but
1: Mm -hmm. in
2: terms of this remake i think it's going to be interesting to see how many diehard pokemon fans will enjoy it because the recent remakes let's go evie let's go pikachu and then um you know, Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, they are such hot debates in the Pokemon community with how people feel about them. But at the end of the day, I think people are still going to look at this one and go, it's still Diamond and Pearl. And they're going to give it a pass, which is exactly how I feel about it. I'm giving it a pass. Will I play this version in the future? I don't know. Like, if I ever feel like going back to Diamond and Pearl, I feel like maybe I'd want to go back to the original. But interesting it's it's a fine like it's just it's a fine game it's a good game but it's just a game with a lot of problems that it shouldn't have
1: that's exactly how i feel honestly because a good game is a good game at the end of the day you know you can pile as much weird design decisions on top of it weird visuals weird remake uh, choices but it's still the great game that we grew up playing or grew up around, you know. I will say yeah. though that when I when I approach remakes, a lot of the times I think of it in terms of what does my nostalgia goggles see in the original game? What did I imagine the original game looked like when I was playing it back in the day? You know, mm-hmm. I can tell you when I was playing these old Pokemon games, I did not imagine these cheapy character models looking like what they do in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Well, yeah, that's you know? what
2: I well, that's what I said before mm-hmm. with, you know, it was the limitations of the time. And it right. was interesting growing up with the game because... You know, it did have that chibi art style, but that was because of the limitations. But then when you watch, like, the Pokemon anime and the movies and all that stuff, it was like, even the the cards, like, the cards, the art in them, like, when you see a certain city, like Snowpoint or whatever, like, you get to see that there are these massive cities. And I felt like Mm -hmm. if we were to get a real remake of Diamond and Pearl, I feel like that's what we should have gotten. But instead, when you go into some of the initial towns and stuff, they just look... They just feel lifeless. Like Snowpoint City is two houses, a Pokemon Center, a Pokemart. Then you got the the gym slapped in the middle and then mm-hmm. a random, you know, what do we call it? Not castle, a random temple behind it. And it's, it's just so odd. It's like this could have been something, you know, off the charts, fantastic looking. But instead mm. we get something that's so just basic, like even mm-hmm. I... You know, I absolutely dislike Sword and Shield, but I'm going to give them a compliment here for a second. Some of the towns in Sword and Shield, like especially the industrial districts, feel like a town. They have a Mm -hmm. sense of scale to them. This game Mm. doesn't have a sense of scale, and it feels like they did the limitations because of budget, and then the other thing is they were trying to replicate what Game Freak did, except they went too far. And I feel like what Elka should have done was maybe they couldn't, because again, could have been the budget, but I feel like they should have reimagined this game. Instead, it's literally, it's practically a one-to-one remake. I mean, there's really not that much different about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would honestly at this point call it more of a remaster than a remake because of just how closely it hues to the original. And I should say that I never expected this, a remake of Diamond and Pearl, to be, you know, a Final Fantasy VII remake approach to where it's radically <laughs> yeah, expanding right. the original. Yeah. But so I did but I did expect something
2: on, like, Sword and Shield's, you know, like, spectrum. You see, like, again, as, but, I, especially when I grew up, you know, playing XD and Coliseum, mm-hmm. there were such these, you know just these glorious experiences for pokemon yeah and even looking back on them i even played um xd recently like it's still a great game and it still graphically holds up but i feel like this is just not what it should have been it's still a good game i really i would still recommend it in all honesty but it's just disappointing i think it's disappointing where pokemon has headed and last year we talked about this when bradley yoshiller was on the podcast Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but cuz I know he's super into Pokemon and he's super happy with where the franchise has just went over time but personally I'm just not that happy with it. Like yeah. when I played Let's Go Eevee I felt like it was right at home. Like I felt like this is how I'd reimagine Pokemon Red and Blue and it felt like it was right there like how just the way the buildings look and the way the towns are imagined it felt in line with that original vision. But this just it just doesn't feel that way, and i'm I'm just disappointed with it, but I'm not angry if that makes sense i It's still a good game at the end of the day like i put you know I've put almost twenty hours into
0: it, like who am I sure. to complain you know mm-hmm. yeah though no, that's. That's, uh, we should also, also, side note, we should have Bradley on again uh, in we the future. Should. Maybe, maybe <laughs> when, uh, when Legends... I see he's uh, a, uh, very Arps excited
2: about getting Bayleaf in the game. <laughs> yeah,
0: of, I mean, of course. Who who, who wouldn't be? Um, even though we are, as we've stated, Team Piplup on this podcast, get out All of the your Bayleaf. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, that's interesting. So, wow, we, uh, listen, it's already been 40 minutes talking about this game, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, any, any final thoughts to kind of wrap it up? I mean, that being said, Mark, I'm I appreciative that you're, that you're still playing as much as you have. We've already got several articles up on the website about this game, and with more to come as time goes on. Uh, Campbell, do you think you're going to keep playing?
1: I think so. Just for the sake of experiencing all the way <laughs> the through. The resigned oh, Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> Campbell, I will say.
0: Wait, Campbell.
2: I have to say, you uh-huh. have to experience the Diago Palkia fight.
1: You see, that's exactly what the, I'm thinking. Just like, the I know music to it and yeah. everything.
2: It's so. It's such a perfect moment. Exactly. Like just everything like that. about that one, and even the Cynthia battle. The Cynthia battle is still hard as shit. It's really,
1: really challenging, and it's really great. You see, that's exactly what I have in mind, because I know that's so iconic, and I want to experience that. So I'm not totally hooked with all that I have to go through to get to that point, but I just want to be able to say that I've played through the whole thing, I can finally see what all the diamond and pearl hubbub is all about, you know, Um, even if the remake isn't everything that I could possibly want it to be, I want to experience those moments. So I'll try to see it through.
0: That is awesome. Uh, all right, so let's let's wrap up this segment. Uh, unless there's anything else, Mark, you wanna you wanna call out before we before we uh, say goodbye to mm-hmm. Brilliant Diamond. If it was and Shining Pokemon,
2: Let's Go, Bidoof, well, we would have been talking
0: more positive. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't top that. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna call it here for for talking about this discussion of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Look for Mark's coverage and others' coverage on the website about this generation of Pokemon games on the Switch. Uh, We're going to have one last final kind of fun holiday themed segment. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. And we're back. So uh, we were going to call this segment something else, but we have to change the name of it now to a holiday <laughs> gift, holiday gifting segment. We're not going to call them stocking stuffers. We're just saying it is little holiday gifts because, as Mark so adroitly pointed out, not all of us <laughs> celebrate Christmas. Christian. So we're going to call <laughs> it. Oh <know>, boy. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. So uh, yeah. So we just kind of wanted to. You know, it's Black Friday's coming up. We, we're recording this episode the day before American Thanksgiving. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, big big shopping season is, is is encroaching upon us because we got Christmas coming up, Hanukkah coming up, lots, lots of gifting, you know, people giving presents to their friends and family and loved ones. So we thought it might be interesting to just kind of talk about what are some little gaming-themed gifts that we can give each other. Mm-hmm. That um, fit I've got inside. Old- a stocking to fit inside say perhaps (laughs) a stocking uh you know just for an example okay but uh...
1: important clarification here how big is the stocking going to be for the The size of a switch case (laughs) of a switch case (laughs) yeah that's the smallest stocking i've ever seen in my life (laughs) are they usually not that small i mean the one i always use was bigger (laughs) 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 Fine. Well,
2: we have multiple choices. Anyways, we usually do a yeah. pick or two. You know,
0: I had a, a nice, a nice chunky size stocking uh, growing up, and still do to this day. Yep. Um. So uh, my, I'll just start it off because I got, I got mine already. Uh, this is something we I talked a little bit about last week. The uh, Legend of Zelda. 35th anniversary themed game and watch so that to me is a fantastic gift item It's small. It's portable. The uh, packaging it comes in is extremely little It's the size of like a, like a mass-market paperback or even smaller It's a very small little box um, and of course the device itself is very tiny as well You can slip it literally into your pocket Uh a great gift for the Zelda fan in your life, especially if they're a fan of retro Zelda memorabilia. The entire packaging and presentation is just incredibly aesthetically pleasing. The device itself is great. I truthfully, and from the bottom of my heart, think this is the best way to play the original Link's Awakening game unless you have a Game Boy Color lying around that still works. Uh, Right now, this is... The, one of the only ways to, to pick up the, the Game Boy version of Link's Awakening in a, in a legal and ethical manner so uh, <laughs> I, you know, I gotta give it props for that uh, the remake of course for the switch is great too but I think this device is a, is a great a great piece of machinery a great little gadget for people who like Zelda games who want to be able to play them anywhere they, they so please and it's cheap it's like uh, less than 50 bucks you can get it on sale um so yeah that's that's kind of my my recommendation for a holiday gaming themed gift that is not too expensive but still very thoughtful uh who wants to go next i will go because Please. uh
2: you're ready sequel time last year you said mario 35 and i said poyo poyo <laughs> tetris so this year i'm gonna say uh, yes. you should get poyo poyo tetris too because they added a boatload of content after launch. There's a lot of characters in it, including Sonic the Hedgehog. So always a plus if you, you know, recognize him and want to get into puzzle games. You get Tetris and Puyo Puyo, or you can mash them together. It's just a great option all around. And it's the best way to play the game. It has all the content of the original and more. So you literally can't go wrong. And I believe they implemented this later on, but I'm pretty sure players of the first game can actually play with players of the second game in some modes, I think that's *Puyo Puyo Tetris* too. It was one that's of the cool. one of the Sega titles did that, and I'm
0: pretty sure it's that one. Hmm. Well, there you go. That's uh, just to keep keep things in the same wheelhouse as we did last time. I think that's mm-hmm. a, a great a great idea, Mark. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'll also so recommend. We'll camp-
2: uh, I'll give a, I'll give a new one really fast. Okay. I will Bubble. say *Super Monkey Ball*, *Banana Mania*. Don't do Banana Blitz. Don't get that mixed up. Okay. You You had me worried there for a (laughs) second, Mark. I thought you were going to
1: lead people astray on this one. (laughs) I
2: started playing it because literally, if you're literally into the Black Friday sales right now for like the next week, it's 20 bucks. So is Puyo Puyo Tetris 2. Or you could sometimes find it for like 10 bucks, Puyo Puyo Tetris 2. But uh, Super Monkey Ball, we never got to talk about on the podcast, but it is really good so far. I'm really enjoying it. It's a remake of 1 and 2 in Deluxe. And it has, like, all the levels just packaged into it and in a bunch of challenge modes. And it's just really enjoyable. And it's a really easy game to get into because it only requires basically one button. You're basically just using the analog stick. So it's super easy to play.
0: Hmm. Not bad. It's that's... it's, uh, it's one, one of those games that's, like, perfect for... Uh, people who are deep into gaming and people who maybe have a little less experience that's a that's a a good Mm -hmm. suggestion
1: yeah i've really wanted to play that game but unfortunately a few years back i had the misfortune of reviewing banana blitz on the switch and that (laughs) (laughs) honestly soured me on monkeys altogether for a very long time and i don't know if i can go back to it at this point even though i have many pleasant memories of playing the original monkey ball games back on gamecube so one of these days i'll want to give that a shot it looks like a lovely collection (laughs) Well, there you
0: go. Uh, And Campbell, what about yourself here? Will you, the question becomes, will you keep in the same vein of stuff that you also recommended last year, or will it be something completely new and different?
1: The answer to the first option is no, because (laughs) for my my stocking stuff recommendation... I put a lot of thought into this, and I thought about what makes a good gift, you know? Is it something that you unwrap on Christmas morning? Maybe it's like a Transformer toy that you play with for 20 minutes and then you throw away. Or is it something that changes your life forever? Something that changes how you think about life, about your interests, about what you can possibly do. So that's why I'm recommending Game Builder Garage as a stocking stuffer. (laughs) I
2: thought you were about to say a Nintendo eShop card. I was like, you got to be kidding me.
1: Okay, I'm trying to be a little more creative than that. But in all seriousness, though, Game Builder Garage is a lovely little educational game. It's very fun and accessible for kids, and the information it contains is genuine real-world programming skills. And I think that if you give this to a kid who's maybe interested in learning what it takes to create a game, that could have the potential to ignite a love of programming, ignite a love of creating games. And the best part is that by Nintendo standards, you can get a physical copy of this for like pennies. It's thirty bucks. So downright, you know, they're practically giving it away. Um it's a lot of pennies. It's 3, a lot of pennies. pennies. It's a lot of pennies. <laughs> but compared to six thousand pennies, you know, that's a pretty good deal. So that's I really what, yeah.
2: I just want to say, Campbell, I mm-hmm. thought you were gonna say Dragon Quest Builders too. You 'Cause see, you that, said Dragon Quest XI last time. So
1: yeah, that I was, was like, oh, that's gonna be it. That was my follow-up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> because it on another worse. note, you know, it, that's another game that fosters creativity and it can let you, you know, build your wildest creations. And unlike Minecraft, it gives you a really charming story and characters and stuff to interact with. I think it's a little more personally, I find the builders' games more enjoyable than minecraft just because i enjoy having that um that narrative surrounding it and just the general dragon quest charm where everything has a pun and everything's just so upbeat and silly um i would absolutely recommend that as another stocking stuffer for maybe those of you who are creatively inclined or you want to give somebody something that can you know give them give them um a toolbox with which to express their wildest imaginations in the world of Dragon Quest, but you know that's a subsidiary recommendation. Game Builder Garage, I think, is definitely worth throwing onto your Christmas lists.
0: There you
2: go, or Hanukkah,
1: or whatever Hanukkah, other or, holiday, or, or whatever it. else you have, Exactly. Or your Viking ritual gift exchange <laughs> thing, whatever you believe, whatever you celebrate, it should all revolve around Game Builder Garage. These are, uh, yeah, these are great, great <laughs> suggestions. I think for everybody,
0: um,
1: we should pro- let's just, Should we call it there? Is there anything else we want to uh, to mention? Um, I have one more recommendation, actually. Please. This one won't change your life, but it will save you money. So it's actually kind of two recommendations in one. Let's start with an anti recommendation. Last year, I believe one of us recommended Nintendo Switch Online. I will recommend <laughs> not doing the expansion pack because you deserve to save fifty dollars. But instead of that, I will recommend gifting the Sega Genesis Classics Collection um, because it co- it contains a lot of the same excellent Genesis games that you have with the N S O expansion pack. Now, it does come with a caveat that the emulation is not so great on a lot of these games. But considering the fact that you get like fifty plus games in a package for like it all it goes on sale for like 10 bucks a lot of the time it's a really economical way to introduce somebody to a whole world of great genesis games it's how i got my start in being interested in games like fantasy star and streets of rage so it's really a lovely little package that you can give and it may not it, it may not inspire lifelong passions and professions like game builder garage possibly could but You know, it could get somebody interested in the history of gaming. So it's a very, there is a lot of merit to giving that, stuffing it in your stockings or Hanukkah packages or anything you want to give. (laughs) Or, or Campbell,
2: Mm -hmm. for $50 on the other end of the spectrum. You can get them Switch Online and they'll have all those games and they could play Tetris 99. So you can play Tetris 99
1: (laughs) for 20 bucks, though. (laughs) And it's true. You know, you get a bunch of N sixty four games, but then mm. to actually enjoy playing those N sixty four games, you have to spend another fifty dollars to get the N sixty four controller. So you huh. know, it's not really mm. economical. At least not the That's way I'm true. working it out.
0: An an excellent point, uh, Campbell. As we as we talked about a couple weeks back, I do love that N sixty four controller. Although, if you're trying to gift it for the holidays it's impossible
1: because you can't buy them <laughs> right now. you see we're just talking about hypotheticals here in some yeah, wonderful world where this stuff is actually freely available maybe consider yeah
0: <laughs> maybe for next year <laughs> maybe yeah um, one or, day. Or, or 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 you know what you know what here's what it is here's what the the stocking stuffer is is you gift them an iou because that'll slip <laughs> right into a stocking you know there you mean? go yeah
1: just put in uh, a little card and just say sorry maybe so next sorry.
0: year <laughs> little sad face. It's a (laughs) Santa, but he's frowning. Um, So with all that being said, I think we could probably call it here. Uh, I've been your host, Cameron Daxson. You can find some of my writing over on Goombastomp.com. Recent writing, I wrote a little write-up about Unsighted, a fantastic indie Switch game that we will certainly talk about on the podcast at some point, uh, as well as uh, a game called Inscription, which I played on Steam and very much enjoyed. You can also find me on Twitter at Action Daxon. And Mark, what about you? Where can people find you on the internet? You
2: can find me at the Markel. That, of course, is Mark with the C, Cal with the K. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. And right now on the website, I am currently posting coverage for both Hawkeye, really good show on Disney Plus, and of course Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl. I have up a gym leader ranking and the gyms, both in one compact list. And then I also have a piece on why the walking Pokemon feature is so disappointing. Check out that. And I will have the review up for the games very soon. It's been taking me a while because, yeah, this this discussion proves why.
0: (laughs) There you go. And uh, uh, do you want to shout out your your LinkedIn, Twitter, etc.?
1: Oh, I, I already did that. (laughs)
0: oh my god did i I just blank that out what is wrong i'm not sure
1: if you mentioned your actual handle though yeah i did i did. did no i did yeah Okay, I guess... the Markel, I said it. Cameron and I just suck, then. Okay.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Campbell and I both just... uh, We just just disassociated for a moment. Uh, But
1: we're back now. Uh, Campbell, where can people find you? All right, I'll get this out of the way first. My social media is Twitter at CampbellSGill, uppercase C-S-G. You can also find me on LinkedIn at CampbellGill. Please connect with me. Let's, you know, get those professional connections going. Um... On the site, you can find an article I wrote about which starter you should choose for Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. It's very diplomatic, but really the only correct option, as we've established, (laughs) is Piplup. Um, And you can look forward to plenty of other articles about Pokemon and indie games and all that other lovely stuff in the very near future.
0: Wonderful! Um, N-Express is also around on the social media. We are on Twitter at N-Express Nintendo, and we're of course available to download on the podcast platform of your choice—Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, etc. Some reviews and uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Reviews and ratings are always helpful, so make sure you get that in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're happy to have your feedback. Happy holidays if you're listening to this um, in America. You are having delicious Thanksgiving meal probably right now. Uh, but even if you're not, you know, still I hope you're having a great week. And thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.